Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to episode 289 of the Family Medicine Rocks podcast for Thursday, January 10, 2013. On today's show, we have a jam-packed show for you here today. Very excited about it. Topic one will be uh, gun violence in America, and my guest in just a few minutes will be the president of the American Academy of Family Physicians, Dr. Jeffrey Kane, to discuss the essay he wrote two days ago about gun violence in America. Topic two is influenza. We'll be getting an update uh, from pediatrician, author, and contributor to CNN.com, Dr. Jennifer Hsu. Finally, are you looking to make money in social media? I have some advice from a guy making lots of money in social media. All that and a lot more coming up on Family Medicine Rocks podcast, episode 289, starting right now. about medicine and social media. This is the Family Medicine Rocks podcast. I'm your host. My name is Mike Sabella, your favorite family physician host. And what is this show about, kids? Well, I tell people this is social media through the eyes of a family physician. I encourage you to check out my digital library of stuff at familymedicinerocks.com. Shout out to all the people following me on Twitter, all 11,000 26 people, and uh, thank you so much for that break, the 11,000 barrier. Thank you so much. And uh, also, shout out to all uh, 706 people who like the Facebook page for this show, facebook.com slash Rocks. Thank you so much for that. Uh, today is Thursday, January 10, 2013. It is 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and here at Family Medicine Rocks World Headquarters, it is 31 degrees Fahrenheit. That's right, a heat wave, uh, given the uh, temperature here in the last few days. So how's your week going there, kids? I'm very, very excited about the uh, show uh, today, and uh, I will tell you in the course of the show kind of how everything was put together at the last minute. Uh, Very exciting. Uh, We'll be having uh, Dr. Jeffrey Kane. Uh, coming on, Dr. Jennifer Shu, and at the end of the show, the end of this very show, uh, Leo Laporte, tech journalist. No, he won't be here, <laughs> but I'll be playing the best five minutes of his keynote talk from this week's New Media Expo in Las Vegas. He talked for about 60 minutes. I will give you, the listener, the best five minutes of the whole thing. Uh, he'll be giving advice on how to best monetize in the social media space, so you want to uh, hang out for all of that. But first, I do want to thank Blog Talk Radio for having me be a featured host on this network. Thank you so much for that. I've been a social media hobbyist since 2005, and if you're curious, yes, I am a real doctor. I am a family physician in full-time private practice, meaning I see patients in the hospital and in my office and at the nursing home where I was at this morning here in beautiful but cold northeastern Ohio. So I will uh, take my break here, and then we will get on to topic number one, uh, gun violence, obviously very much in the news in the uh, past few weeks. Uh, You're listening to the Family Medicine Rocks podcast, the unofficial podcast of the Family Medicine Revolution. What's that all about? Just Google 
FM Revolution for more details. Also, a proud member of the ProMed Network, a podcast you can get there by going to ProMedNetwork.com. Topic one starts right after this. That's right, Family Medicine's leading voice in social media, in my own mind. This is the Family Medicine Rocks podcast. My name is Mike Savilla. Go to FamilyMedicineRocks.com. So uh, topic one is uh, gun violence, obviously very much in the uh, news these days. Um, you know, not so much uh, including things like uh, you know, Newtown, Connecticut, Aurora, Colorado, and uh, other things in the news. Uh, just in the past hour because, you know, we record live here. Uh, just in the past hour from the Associated Press, uh, a story entitled uh, Vice President Biden says consensus emerging on gun safety. Uh, the AP says uh, the vice president says he will deliver recommendations to uh, President Obama on uh, steps to curb violence by Tuesday. Biden says uh, a, a consensus is emerging over proposals such as tightening background checks and banning high-capacity ammunition magazines. The vice president told a group of sportsmen and wildlife interest groups that he has never quite heard so much talk about high-capacity magazines, and he has uh, since last month's horrific uh, mass shooting in Newtown, Connecticut. The vice president was meeting with groups today, Thursday, at the White House. Uh, he was uh, to meet later with the National Rifle Association. Uh, so, um, so yeah, still much in the news, and uh, my conversation just uh, coming up uh, will be with uh, Dr. Jeffrey Kane, president of the American Academy of uh, Family Physicians, and he was at a, a meeting last week with White House officials um, about uh, uh, gun violence, uh, and uh, they had some health care groups there, and he will be talking about uh, that during our uh, conversation. Uh, the uh, kind of the impetus for the interview was a a, a an essay that he wrote two days ago entitled uh, Time for a National Conversation About Gun Violence. And I direct people to uh, aafp.org, uh, and uh, you can read about that. It's also at familymedicinerocks.com. Uh, uh, so what happened was so I, I read that it was, it was all over uh, in the family medicine community in the uh, social media sphere, uh, and I reached out to the American Academy of Family Physicians to ask for an interview. And uh, graciously, they said yes. Uh, so this interview was recorded uh, yesterday. Uh, and I have to tell you that uh, Dr. Kane uh, was fighting a cold. Uh, so uh, if, he's, if, his, if his voice sounds <laughs> like typically not him, that is why. But, but uh, he felt this issue was very important, and he wanted to come on uh, and, and be interviewed uh, for this yesterday. So uh, I give him a lot of credit for that, even though uh, he was not uh, feeling 100%. Uh, so um, if you're listening live, I encourage you to uh, uh, bring up on another screen there the uh, the essay here, uh, A Time for a National Conversation About Gun Violence. You can go to AEFP.org or um, FamilyMedicineRocks.com and get access uh, to it there. So well, here is my chat uh, with the president of the American Academy of Family Physicians. This is Dr. Jeffrey Kane. And uh, welcome back to the uh, Family Medicine Rocks uh, podcast. My name is uh, Mike Savella. And on the line with me, um, I'm very happy to welcome him. And he's a little bit ill, so I very much appreciate him coming on the show. The, the, it's the, the president of the American Academy of Family Physicians, Dr. Jeffrey Kane. Thank you so much for the time, sir. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Uh, so uh, the main focus of the discussion is uh, the, your, your essay from the uh, Leader Voices blog, and I encourage people to check that out at aafp.org. Uh, the title is Time for a National Conversation About Gun Violence. It is uh, dated Tuesday, January 8, uh, 2013. Um, 
And uh, Dr. Kane, as we kind of start out, um, you know, this little chat, I mean, I, I do want to talk a lot about the essay. And but first, I want to talk a little bit about your um, your background, you know. And, and you you talk in the first couple paragraphs of, you know, some uh, positive, you know, experiences uh, that you've had um, with regards to, you know, owning a gun and uh, having that, and and also been on the negative side um, of uh, gun violence, especially. Um, where you live and where you work, and uh, can you talk a little bit about that as we start out? Sure, Mike. Uh, uh, my practice is in Denver, Colorado, and um, and my hospital, the Children's Hospital Colorado, is in Aurora, Colorado. Many of you know, in the last uh, few, uh, in last month, there was a horrible attack there. Not only that attack, but a Columbine t- uh, about a dozen years ago. The children from both of those uh, attacks were hospitalized at my hospital. And not only that, but some of my friends had kids that were in that theater in Aurora when that madman opened fire. And that experience profoundly impacts my community, which means the people I work with, the hospital, and even the people we see day to day. And it's it's also challenging because um, I grew up with a gun. Um, I was somebody that raised, was raised in rural Oregon, and we were uh, grew up uh, with hunter safety and uh, we were duck hunters and uh, we had target practice and we understood and learned how to store guns safely with trigger locks, how to use them in a responsible way. And so um, I think it's important that when we we look at the effect of gun violence that we looked at it in a broad perspective. And as family doctors, we look at health in a broad perspective in a way that I think can help our country with this conversation right now. Um, and uh, there was, if I, uh, if I was correct, there was another shooting out uh, in, in Aurora, I believe, last week or in the last uh, few days. And, uh, just in the last uh, three days, we've had another another uh, suicide, homicide, uh, hostage situation inside wow. Aurora. Um, so gun violence, I mean, it, it, it's been you know, in, in the public sphere, especially you know, in, in the light of uh, Newtown, Connecticut, and there's been a lot of discussions uh, in a lot of different venues. Um, but Dr. Kane, as, as um, you know, the issue of, of gun violence, um, you wrote in your essay here that that, that it is a, a major public health issue. Um, can you tell my audience why is this issue important to family physicians, important to our patients, and important to the academy? When we talk as an academy about prevention and the importance of prevention, we talk about tobacco, we talk about car seats for our kids that are in our office in order to avoid the consequences of, of tobacco use or uh, unintended accidents. It turns out that in our, in our country, 31,000 people die from gun violence every single year, and that includes suicides and homicides. And, and to put that in perspective, that's pretty close to the number of people that die from motor vehicle accidents. Another way to look at it in terms of our society is, is that's about the same number of people that have died in Iraq and in Afghanistan in the history of those conflicts combined. Um, that's a big number. And when we as a country see that number of Americans' lives lost, it's important to us as family physicians and as an academy to talk about what that means to our country and to approach that from a prevention aspect. Um, and the prevention needs to be focused on the root causes. I do want to ask you about uh, you know, this, I guess, summit or meeting that you referred to in your essay on January 3rd um, you know, with White House officials and with, with a lot of different stakeholders to talk about this. Can you, can you share a little bit about um, you know, what happened there and, and your experience uh, during those meetings? When President Obama spoke at Newtown, Connecticut, um, he came okay. back to the White House and uh, was very deeply touched by this. And and tasked the vice president, tasked four separate cabinet members to be able to address this for, uh, to our country. Um, one of the first steps that, um, and the, Vice President Biden is in charge of this uh, task force. And one of the first things they did is they started with um, uh, groups of stakeholders, and they invited the medical community as their first stakeholder group. Uh, it was my uh, privilege to represent the academy at that meeting, along with um, uh, eight other groups that include the American Academy of uh, Pediatrics, uh, the College of Emergency Physicians, the AMA that were there. Uh, the, the vice president's staff was there, and, and was, the meeting was chaired by Secretary Sebelius. And they were looking for uh, the responses that we would have as healthcare providers. Um, the, this uh, series of meetings will be followed up by other stakeholder meetings that will include 
education groups, law enforcement, uh, youth advocacy groups, and gun owners to be able to talk about what we can do as a country for a solution. And a lot of people, you know, especially in the press and things, and um, you know, certain interest groups, you know, they're using you know the buzzwords of of gun control, and other people are using firearm safety. But but during those uh, those meetings, Jeff, I mean, they, they, they brought up other issues because this is a very multifactorial issue, um, especially looking at mental health care and violence in the media. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what the discussions were during those talks? Sure, Mike. My, my 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 presentation to the to the secretary was was essentially that this is a multifactorial issue, that that we can't. Uh, there's no simple solution to a to a problem as broad and diverse as our country, and we really do need to talk about the need for mental health in our in our our country. I discussed our our academy's policies behind mental health around substance abuse. I, we also talked specifically about how media is portrayed. The media portrays violence. Um, in our in our country, we know that children that are more exposed to media have more violent lives, um, and we have media policy that our members can go and find there. It's important to understand that that gun violence in our culture is multifactorial, that there are many different parts at play, and that our response as an academy as a country needs to respond to the root causes. Our academy has very strong policy around the need for mental health. Mental health is well, a big part of addressing the issue around safety and violence in our culture. Now, that means access to mental health. That means coordination with primary care. It means substance abuse. The second thing I talked about with the Secretary of Health was about how media portrays violence in our country. And we know that uh, when media, when children consume a lot of media violence, they're more likely to have violence as part of their life and as part of their response to their lives. Uh, and our academy has very strong um, a policy of encouraging our country to talk about media violence and to address that in a way that children have a limited exposure and a way that we can educate uh, parents about uh, the effects of media violence. When we talk about gun violence, we have to understand that, that talking about gun safety is one part of the answer to this. And I was able to share with the secretary and with the vice president's office our academy's uh, history of policies that we have around gun safety. And as a leader, um, and um, especially you know with, with our academy, you know how, the, how does the academy kind of you know try to listen to all sides of this, particularly when it comes to firearm safety, because sometimes it can be you know very emotional conversation, very passionate conversations. How do we kind of you know try to try to drive through that and, and to get right to the core issues to see what's very important for our patients? Mike, our academy has some long-standing policies around gun safety. It's important for members listening to understand where those policies come from. Um, our, our academy sets policies by active debate from member voices at our Congress of Delegates. Um, and members of every state send um, two delegates and two alternate delegates to our Congress where we talk about the things that are important to our patients' health, our practice health, and our country's health. Um, our academy has uh, long-established um, policies that really promote gun safety, um, that talk about the importance of, of uh, safe storage of ammunition, of trigger locks, the importance of enforcement of existing state and federal legislation. We also have a policy that has been considered and supported repeatedly by our Congress against uh, private ownership of, 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 of uh, assault weapons. There are some laws that are on the books right now in the United States that are that are uh, challenging the ability for family doctors to talk to their patients around gun safety. Um, in Florida, it's a uh, they had legislature passed a law that says physicians cannot have conversations with their patients around guns in any kind of a context. And there's lots of ways that it's appropriate when you have a patient that is um, that's been depressed, or you have a patient that has a has children in their home to make certain you're talking about safety uh, around the children, around trigger locks, and safe storage of information of, of, of the ammunition. It's also important to know that uh, there are uh, legislation in state and federal law that prohibits um, the, the collection of information around guns and gun safety, even inside the Affordable Care Act, which makes it almost impossible to do research around what is effective gun safety measures. So our academy very clearly has policy, and I talked to the secretary about how it's important for us as a country to be able to do research, to collect the information that we can use to be able to promote rational kinds of conversations and rational laws around safety. Um, are there other things that that, uh, that you're hearing from 
um, kind of your patience there or from, from academy members as far as not only uh, gun safety but, but uh, you know, the, the multifactorial issues that, that you have uh, discussed uh, you know, during our chat here because uh, you know, a lot of people are talking, and I know I have my, I have my own patients talking about uh, this issue as well, and it's, it's, uh, it, it, it's a tough uh, it's a tough conversation sometimes to have with patients, um, but I think it's something that is, is very important uh, uh, as family physicians that we need to have those conversations, even though they may be uncomfortable. But but to at least um, let you know patients know that you know this is a public health issue and and uh, that it is important uh, not only for us but it's important for the country. Well, Mike, our members and our patients um, span the the political diversity and the views on guns that our country is. Uh, has and you can hear that in our media, um, and you can hear that in conversations with our members. And yet, um, all of us uh, as family physicians uh, understand that 31,000 lives lost per year is a public health issue, and that it's important that we address this as an issue of, of the health of the public, and so that we have a conversation around mental health. We have conversations around violence in our media, that we have conversations around gun safety. And I, I clearly heard consensus from the medical groups that were sitting around the table. And when I talk to my colleagues, when I talk to my patients, when I talk to my friends, uh, we all agree that this is a time that we as a country should be having this conversation in a way that really can help us move forward to ways that we can find successful ways of prevention of this level of appalling level of violence in our culture today. Well, I want to thank you so much for the time, uh, Dr. Jeffrey Kane, President of the American Academy of Family Physicians. I, I, thank you for for battling through your cold and 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 chatting with me uh, today. I know a, a lot of people on social media have been uh, giving me a lot of uh, great feedback on your essay and and uh, what the academy has done and will be doing and, and being at the table for a lot of these uh, conversations. Uh, thank you so much for the time. And any other closing thoughts that you have for our audience uh, here uh, today? Uh, well, thank you for the kind words, uh, Micah. It, it's a privilege to represent family doctors, uh, to take the values that we do every day in our office, to be able to talk with uh, the leaders of our country. Um, and uh, thank you for your time. I thank you for what our, our docs are doing in the office, what our docs are doing with their patients. And I ask that you contribute your voice to this national conversation, too. Thank you. And uh, so thanks again uh, to Dr. Jeffrey Kane uh, for being a, a guest on the show. I encourage people to not only uh, check out the, um, uh, the blog list, but also the comments. Uh, as of this second, there are five very interesting comments following uh, the uh, blog post. Uh, time for a national conversation about gun violence. Uh, you can go to AAFP.org or FamilyMedicineRocks.org. Um, and I want to thank Dr. Kane for yes, uh, fighting through his cold. Um, you know, I, I, I know that uh, uh, as he told me in an email afterward, he did not bring his uh, A game, uh, but uh, uh, I thought he did pretty well. And uh, you know, he was he was very passionate about coming on the show to talk about it. So I I, I very much appreciate and thank him for coming on the show uh, to share his thoughts about his uh, essay. I, I also want to thank. AAFP staff or spreading the word on social media about the interview today. And if you missed any of this, if you came in late, you can download the entire podcast after the show. Also subscribe to the show on iTunes. Uh, so we will be right back talking about another important topic, the flu. You're listening to the Family Medicine Rocks podcast right here on Blog Talk Radio. We'll be right back. <laughs> Social media through the eyes of a family physician. This is the Family Medicine Rocks podcast. My name is Mike Sabella. So, topic two also making a lot of uh, headlines, uh, especially in the past uh, seven days or so uh, the flu or um, influenza. Um, and if you haven't heard about it already, uh, uh, well, <laughs> where have you been? <laughs> uh, there's been a lot of stories, especially today. Uh, 
from uh, CNN. And if you haven't seen it on television yet, the uh, Lehigh Valley Hospital, uh, Cedar Crest in Allentown, Pennsylvania, uh, set up a, a heated tent outside the hospital. That's right, a heated tent outside the hospital to serve as a clinic. Anyone with mild flu symptoms can be uh, uh, treated quickly and discharged, isolated from uh, more serious cases. South Carolina uh, has accounted 22 flu-related deaths this season, compared with one for all of 2011, according to the South Carolina Department of Health. In Illinois, the Department of Public Health uh, director said Wednesday, yesterday, that since October, six flu-related deaths of patients in intensive care units have occurred. So a uh, very timely topic. And um, um, I have a, uh, an interview that we just recorded minutes ago. Well, actually, just a few hours ago uh, with uh, my good friend, uh, Dr. Jennifer Shu, pediatrician, author, and contributor to CNN.com. Uh, and uh, if you haven't checked her out on the CNN, she has, does great uh, essays and blog posts and videos um, out there. I encourage you to uh, to check her out. But uh, we got to chat a little bit about uh, the flu. <laughs> and just like Dr. Kane, <laughs> uh, Jen was also uh, coughing a little bit, uh, and you can you could hear it a little bit in her voice as well. Uh, so there's a little bit of a theme to this show here uh, today. Um, but without further ado, uh, here is my uh, conversation with pediatrician, author, and uh, CNN.com contributor, Dr. Jennifer Shu. We're talking about uh, the flu. And uh, welcome back to the uh, Family Medicine Rocks podcast. My name is uh, Mike Savella. And uh, on the line with us, uh, I've been trying to get her on the show for such a long time, and I've been admiring her for, for such a long time, doing real cool stuff out there. My guest on the line is uh, uh, pediatrician and CNN contributor, Dr. Jennifer Shu. Uh, Jen, uh, thank you so much for the time today. I know you're a little bit under the weather as well. Thanks for having me, Mike. I think um, anybody who sees patients is going to be under the weather from time to time during the winter. So my voice <laughs> yeah. doesn't always sound this husky. <laughs> That's right. Um, and, you know, that, that kind of dives right into our, our topic here. It's all over the news, and all my patients talk about it. All your patients are talking about it. We're talking about the flu, and uh, uh, you're in the uh, Atlanta, Georgia area, the home of the uh, Centers for Disease Control. Kind of, uh, give my listeners kind of a little bit of a, an update, what's going on on the ground there with your patients, with the community, what's, uh, what's happening uh, down there these days. Well, Georgia is one of the states that the CDC lists as having widespread influenza activity, um, and that can be found on their website. There are 41 states with widespread activity, and 29 states, including Georgia, have what's called high influenza-like illness activity. So we are definitely in the trenches here seeing a lot of patients with flu illness. Um, and you know, when you have patients call in, when you have parents call in, you know, about, you know, flu-like symptoms, um, how do you or your staff try to work through that as far as, you know, when do you bring them in, you know, to the clinic or to the hospital or to the ER or, or, or how, what kind of advice do you give to try to maybe have them write it out or come in the, into the office? Well, what do you tell uh, parents and patients? Those are great questions, Mike. So the first thing is sometimes it can be hard to tell the difference between flu and a regular cold. Um, oftentimes flu will come on really suddenly, a sudden high fever, a sudden cough, and a child will feel miserable. They'll feel very achy. They'll be in bed. They'll be very clingy, whereas colds tend to be a little bit milder, slower in the onset, and kind of go away on their own. Generally, if it's a very young infant, for, for example, somebody under about six months of age, or anybody with medical problems such as asthma, we would like to see them sooner rather than later. And the reason for that is that um, kids who are younger or kids with breathing problems can get complications of, of influenza such as pneumonia, and that really does need to be addressed medically. Uh, and you're specifically, uh, you know, a pediatrician, work with a lot of kids, work with a lot of parents, and a lot of questions I get from, from parents as well as, you know, flu shots and flu immunization. Um, if people don't know, I mean, there are a couple of options. There, there's the traditional injection and shot. Uh, there's also a, a immunization you can give through the nose. Can you explain a little bit how you explain those options to parents and, and if, if you have a, a, a preference as a clinician, what, what do you, to give your patients? 
So the flu shot is recommended for anybody over the age of six months old. Um, the one exception is if you have anaphylactic shock with eggs. That might be something to talk to your doctor or allergist about because you may not want to get the flu vaccine or you might have to get it under a close observation. So anybody over six months old can get the flu shot. The nasal spray is approved for healthy individuals between 2 and 49 who are not pregnant, uh, who don't have medical problems such as asthma. But in general, there is a good option for most people who do want to get the vaccine. Uh, and what we're really trying to prevent is not only influenza, but also complications of that. And, and, you know, I talk to my patients and parents, too, about, you know, symptoms of, you know, dehydration and fatigue and, and fever and cough. And, and, you know, those are the, the real complications that we're, that we're really uh, protecting against because, you know, as you tell patients and I tell patients, too, that people still, you know, die from the flu and still, still die from the complications of it. And that's why we're really kind of pushing and emphasizing not only prevention with the immunization, but also early diagnosis and treatment. Would you say that's right? Absolutely, Mike. And already 18 kids have died of flu so far this season. On average, we see anywhere from 50 to 150 children dying each year from the flu. And during the time of the H1N1 flu, or 2009-2010, it was also called swine flu at the time, about 350 children died. So it's not something to take lightly. And definitely if we can uh, treat with comfort measures such as fever reducers, fluids, and rest, that can help. And some children may benefit from antiviral medicines such as Tamiflu or Relenza. Um, and um, I don't know about your uh, patients where you're at, but um, you know, especially this week, my, my patients here in northeastern Ohio, I mean, they've been seeing a lot of stuff in the news. There's a, there's a little bit of panic here in the community, and um, we've been a lot of phone calls trying to field questions. How about where you're at? Are you getting a lot of questions and concerns and, and any sense of panic where you're at from, from your patients or parents? Well, here in Georgia, when it started to, um, when we started the flu season right around October, I definitely saw some panic, and I was prescribing a lot of antiviral medicine for people just to try to shorten their illness and lessen the severity, as well as um, lower the contagiousness of the person with the flu. What I'm seeing now, however, is that um, because so many people have weathered the storm of the flu, many patients aren't even coming in um, or requesting antiviral medicine. And and as you know, it has to be given within the first two days of the illness. So I'm seeing fewer people rush in during those first two days of the illness requesting medication because they have seen so many people get through it um, with just a few days of, of rest and comfort care. Uh, and my last question for you, Jen, is that, you know, probably the most common question that I get, and maybe one of the most common questions you get, um, you know, is, you know, does the flu shot cause the flu? And, and, and when you have parents ask you that question, how do you counsel them? How do you explain um, what the flu shot does? So that is a great question, Mike, and I do get asked that all the time. And absolutely not. The flu shot does not cause the flu. And let me explain a little bit further. Anytime you get a vaccine, you may see some reactions, such as a little bit of achiness, um, maybe an elevation of temperature, for example, because the body is mounting an immune response and creating antibodies. So that's oftentimes what the, the person's talking about. Also, it can take a good two weeks or so for the vaccine to start working. So if you were about to get infected with the flu anyway, you could be getting sick from the, the infection from the virus and not as a result of re- a reaction to the vaccine. The flu shot is a killed vaccine, so it really cannot cause a flu. And the way vaccines work is that just a small amount of the, the virus or bacteria, but virus in this case of the flu, a small amount of the virus protein is used and injected into the body to help the body body make antibodies. So you can't get sick from a small amount of the virus, and that's that's the whole point of vaccines. The nasal spray is a live weakened virus. It helps the um, body recognize the proteins of the virus in the nose, but once it makes it into the, the lungs, that virus cannot survive. So even though it is a live weakened vaccine, it cannot grow in the body. Um, but this is why people can get a runny nose or congestion for a day or two after getting the nasal spray. Uh, Dr. Jennifer Shu, thank you so much uh, for the time. I'll, I'll let you um, maybe gather some thoughts. For some closing thoughts from my audience, I just want to let people know they can check out more information about you at uh, jennifershu.com. And also check out um, 
um, some blog posts and essays and videos at uh, CNN Health. Uh, so as we uh, kind of close our conversation here, uh, Jen, uh, do you have any closing thoughts for my listeners as far as influenza, the flu, um, things to kind of keep in mind as we uh, finish our conversation today? Um, closing thoughts on the flu, the best thing is prevention, so get the vaccine if you haven't already. It is very effective, although not perfectly, but it is very effective, and especially this year there's a good match. Um, practice good social etiquette and social distancing because flu viruses can spread after coughing and sneezing. So cover your mouth and nose with a tissue or your elbow and then wash your hands afterwards. Um, if the flu virus is hitting very hard in your community, then you may think about avoiding large crowds, such as going to the movies, going out to eat, um, maybe postpone the play date or birthday party until things settle down. Um, and then finally, just keep good, healthy practices going through the winter. This is the best time to stay healthy because that's how your immune system um, stays strong. So plenty of good nutrition, moderate exercise, and lots of sleep can help you and your children stay healthy and avoid the flu. That's uh, Dr. Jennifer Shu, jennifershu.com, pediatrician, author, contributor to CNN. Uh, thank you so much for the time. Happy New Year, and get well soon there, Jen. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> Have a great one. <laughs> All right, Andy. Yeah, thanks again to uh, Dr. Jennifer uh, uh, coming on uh, the show. And um, uh, you can get more information about her at jennifershu.com. Also follow her on Twitter um, she, in real time. This is a real-time show. I know she's listening right now. Uh, follow her at livingwell.com. Doc, that is her uh, Twitter handle. So, uh, um, so check her out there. Hopefully, we can uh, bring her back on the show and to talk about whatever she wants to talk about because uh, she's awesome. So, uh, of course, you know, if you missed any of this uh, podcast, uh, you know, you can always uh, download it after uh, we finish here and also subscribe on uh, iTunes. Uh, but uh, topic three coming up uh, finally. Finally, <laughs> do you want to make money using social media? Do you do? I uh, well, I think I have the answers for you coming up. That's right. That's that's called a teaser. <laughs> You're listening to the Family Medicine Rocks podcast live on a Thursday afternoon right here on the Blog Talk Radio Network. And we'll be right back. Wait for it. Wait for it. <laughs> uh, right after this. <laughs> to the uh, final segment of the Family Medicine Rocks podcast. Uh, this is number 289, episode 289. My name is Mike Sabilla, and thank you for hanging out with me for the, uh, for the end of the uh, show here. So topic three, uh, social media monetization. That's right. That's right. I get that question a lot, kids. You say, Mike, how can I make money using social media? I know, you know. <laughs> and a disclaimer right here at the top, you know, I mean, I don't make any money on social media. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I don't accept any kind of advertising or ads or you know, anything like that. Uh, so, um, so, you know, yeah. So I am not the one to ask that, but I do have uh, uh, somebody who uh, I uh, was able to – I watched this keynote uh, address from earlier this week um, from uh, uh, Blog World and New Media Expo uh, uh, in Las Vegas uh, that happened at the same time this week as the Consumer Electronics Show and the, the, the tech geeks. Uh, and the geeks in general out there are very excited about this uh, this week uh, here uh, every year. Uh, but uh, the keynote, uh, the speaker uh, at New Media Expo 2013 was Leo Laporte, uh, tech journalist, uh, Twit.tv. 
And uh, oh, I have narrowed down uh, his 60-minute talk into the best five minutes uh, that you're going to uh, going to be hearing in just here in a little bit. I heard uh, Leo uh, keynote uh, uh, once, uh, and it was at Blog World and New Media Expo in 2009. Uh, he did a great job there. That was uh, personally my first kind of tech geek meeting, and that was the first time I got to meet all of the uh, – well, not all of the, but uh, a lot of the major players – in the uh, medical social media community like Kevin Foe, Kevin MD, and others. Uh, that was back in the uh, Dr. Anonymous uh, days uh, on the Internet, uh, but that's another story uh, for another day. Uh, so uh, I will cue uh, this up here, and uh, this is uh, Leo Laporte, uh, tech journalist, podcast guru, new media, whatever you want to call him, uh, very famous uh, around, and uh, he is uh, going to be uh, talking about uh, social media monetization, how you can try to make money using social media. Here is Leo's keynote, part of his keynote from earlier this week. Rick mentioned I, this is my fourth time now keynoting at Podcast Expo. I spoke at the first Podcast Expo, which was, I, wa I want to say 2006. It was either 2005 or 2006. And my message then was really simple. And it's still true, which is podcast your passion. Um, what really we're doing here is finding something we care so much about that we can't not write about it. And by the way, I should say, I'm a podcaster, um, but this applies to blogging as well. It applies to all new media, YouTube channels. I, that's why, and I'll talk about this in a second, why I don't like the word podcast. But I'm going to use it because it, we're speaking English and it appears to be the only word that anybody understands. Um, the, the podcast your passion, but don't do it for money, is what I said. Because what's interesting is every podcast expo and new media expo and blog world since most of the tracks are about how to make money doing new media. And, and I really, my, my initial response was, let's just try to do it because you love it. You know, uh, because you want to do it, because you can't not do it. And not worry about money so much. What I think you and I are doing is artisanal media. You know, there's this growth in artisanal beers and cheeses and stuff. May, big stream media is Budweiser. Big stream media is Velveeta, Kraft Velveeta. They have to reach, um, they have to be able to crank it out in massive factories that reach a mass audience for their business model to work. We're not doing that. We're handcrafted media. We're making shows for an audience we know very well. An audience that's discerning, that's smart, that's small. So we have to do it in a way that we can make it cheaply enough that we can make money doing it. And more importantly, we have to make it so that it super serves that audience. In a way, I'm coming back to podcast your passion. If it's your passion, you know that audience, you're one of them. We have to make our shows for people who are one of us. And we have to super serve them. My motto with Twit, I, you know, businesses tend to say we want to get bigger. And yes, we have some growth. But really, my motto is not bigger. It's better, not bigger. I want to get better. I think if we get better, if we get better at serving the audience, better at doing what we do best, everything else follows from that. We start with the audience. It all comes back to the, I'm sorry, community. It all comes back to that. And if we can serve the community, everything else will take care of itself. And so that's what I would urge you to do. You know, each and every one of you who does a show or does a blog is a startup. You're all entrepreneurs, whether you want to make money or not. And by the way, you'll be a lot happier if you don't want to make money. But even if you don't want to make money, you're still making something that you want to last, that you, you, you want some payment. If it's just an audience, uh, if it's just, you know, whatever you interpret as success, you still, you're trying to create that. And in that respect, we are all startups. And we're all, and what's fun about this is nobody's done this before. You cannot look to big media for a model. I hate it. I, I see it sometimes where somebody says, yeah, I, I'm, I'm doing a podcast until I can, you know, get signed by Fox. Please, that's not what the goal is. What we're really trying to do is put them out of business. What we're really trying to do... Don't tell them that. They'll get all nervous. No, they're not. They don't, they don't even know we exist, so that's goodness. What we're really trying to do is be better than them. We, the goal is not to become mainstream media. The goal is to become a, 
I, what, how can we describe it? The, uh, somebody who's creating something perfect for an audience that you know, that you love. And if you're doing that, you will be so happy. And at least a few of us are an example. You can actually make money doing this and make it work. And guess what? That $70 billion that's being spent on TV right now, those people are unhappy. Those advertisers are dying for a better way to reach people. All we have to do is explain to them, okay, we can do that. But you have to come as a peer to our audience and participate. And so much more healthy and wholesome. And it feels really good. I see, I talked to, I, I went to Dubai a couple of years ago to talk to the Arab world. And I said, you, it was a TEDx conference. And I said, this is an opportunity for you. You have been disenfranchised. You guys don't have voices. You know, Al Jazeera bought Current and immediately Time Warner pulled the plug. We're not going to let any Arabs on television. But guess what? You don't need them. You, you, I told this, this group of people in Dubai from all over the Arab world, make podcasts, make shows. If your voice is heard, it's the best hope for peace. It's the best hope for uh, a better world is if we get to know you. This is the opportunity. Yes, I want everybody to have a podcast. And I don't worry about if everybody has a podcast, who's going to listen. We're all listeners. We're all podcasters. We're all creating media. And the opportunity is so exciting. I want to thank you for kind of living that dream. I know it's hard. I know sometimes it's discouraging. I know a lot of you have become pod faders because you go, and I only have 50 people listening. But you've got to keep doing it. You gotta, if, if you, that's why I say podcast your passion, because it won't matter it, how many people are listening, because you're doing what you love. You're talking about what you love. And even if, you know what, if it's 50 people, that's 50 people sitting around your table having a conversation with you. That's fantastic. You should celebrate that. I'm, uh, I'm willing to answer questions uh, if you have questions about uh, what we did here. I just think that uh, I love being part of this community. I love coming here. I want you not, not, to dis not to get rid of big media. I want you to get rid of me. I want you to become the next twit. I want you to start the next show that's going to transform the world. I would love to be seen as, oh, yeah, he did something kind of cool, but look what we've done now. You can do better. And uh, that was uh, Leo Laporte, uh, tech journalist, uh, twit.tv, and uh, somebody that I have admired and who has inspired me in the social media, new media uh, sphere uh, for a long time. Uh, and, um, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, the, the, that's what I tell people, um, you know, is, is if you do social media, if you do new media, you have to be passionate about it or else your product is going to be awful and no one's going to want to um, check it out. Um, if you remain passionate about it um, and uh, produce um, a good product, um, everything will kind of uh, take care of itself. Uh, but, of course, you know, <laughs> take that with your grain of salt because, you know, I mean, I, I, uh, I am blessed. I am graced uh, to, um, you know, have a, a full-time job uh, that, that I do. And, uh, um, you know, the social media um, uh, career that I have it has always been uh, a, a hobby uh, for me. And uh, I love talking about it. I love speaking about it. Um, I love sharing my stories about, uh, about uh, social media, especially when it comes to, um, uh, how it applies to medicine, how it applies to health and wellness. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, I, I, I'm going to keep doing this, you know, and even if, you know, you know, five, 10, 15 people, you know, you know, listen to, or check out, uh, you know, what I talk about or, or, you know, listen to the podcast, check out my videos, all that uh, kind of stuff. I'm just, I'm just trying to deliver a, a unique product in a passionate way. Uh, for example, I did a little bit of tweaking to the show uh, for the last a couple of, if, you, uh, if you've noticed, uh, let me know what you think. I've tried to make it a little bit more topical uh, and have uh, some shorter segments rather than longer segments, so let me know what you think about that. I, I modified uh, familymedicinerocks.com, uh, so it really works. It looks really good on a mobile platform, uh, and I welcome your, your feedback um, on that. And, of course, you know, I'm a podcasting my passion um, as well. So, uh, so I encourage you to, you know, leave me feedback at familymedicinerocks.com. Uh, um, and, and uh, as we kind of close the show here today, you know, I, I want to thank everybody who, uh, who listened to the show live today. We have had more live listeners 
to the show than we've had in a very, very long time, over 100 live listeners over the course of the last uh, 49 uh, minutes. Uh, and thanks to all of you who uh, downloaded the show um, afterward. Um, I very, very much appreciate everybody downloading the show. The, the download numbers in the past uh, few weeks have been skyrocketing, and uh, I'm very, uh, very humbled uh, that anybody out there would want to uh, listen to what I'm talking about, read what I'm uh, writing, and uh, you know, watch uh, videos that uh, I'm putting together uh, and uh, producing. Just to let people know, this is all me. I do not have a team. <laughs> I don't have a group of people. Uh, you know, I, I did all the the, uh, the audio editing for the previous interviews and things. It's because I love it. Because I love it. I love technology. I love uh, experimenting with technology, innovating, trying to do things that have never been done before, and it's very, very much fun uh, for me uh, for all of that. Uh, so that ends my show here today. I want to thank uh, Dr. Jeffrey Kane, the president of the American Academy of Family Physicians, uh, for uh, talking about his um, essay uh, from uh, two days ago, A Time for a National Conversation About Gun Violence. You can go to AEFP.org uh, and also FamilyMedicineRocks.com to check out that full essay. Also check out the comments uh, to the essay as well. Those are very interesting. Also, but thanks to Dr. Jennifer Shu, pediatrician, author, and contributor to CNN.com, giving us a, a, a flu uh, update, and uh, hope to bring Dr. Jen back uh, for future shows to talk about whatever she wants to talk about. <laughs> uh, and um, thanks to all of you uh, for listening. I encourage you to check out the website at uh, familymedicinerocks.com uh, and um, follow me on Twitter at uh, Dr. Mike Savilla. Uh, and um, you can check out my YouTube page, uh, MikeSavilla.com, and you can get all that stuff um, at uh, FamilyMedicineRocks.com. Uh, so uh, thanks again, everybody, for listening live and or uh, downloading uh, the podcast. Uh, and uh, that, uh, that ends my show. It, it's a, I'm very happy with, with how things uh, uh, ended up here uh, today, and uh, it's, it's been fun. So. Uh, thanks uh, for listening, and uh, let me find a, a song here to uh, bring us out here. And uh, my name is Mike Savilla, and we'll, we'll talk to you all very soon. Have a good week, have a good weekend, and uh, have a good day, everybody. Hey, Jude, don't make it bad. Take a side.